Hey, Love Tribe. Today's episode is brought to you by one of my personal favorites, Cozy Earth. They've got something special for all the mothers out there. So anyone who wants to shower the special woman in their lives with love and the comfort they deserve, listen up. Hands down, Cozy Earth has the best sheets, bedding, pajama sets, and more. So today, I'm excited to share that Relationship Advice listeners get an exclusive 35% off discount. Simply go to CozyEarth.com and use the promo code I do at checkout. The first time I tried their bamboo sheets, I was blown away. The comfort level is insane. I just love slipping into their seriously soft and cool sheets after a long day. And for a mom who knows that the struggle of sleep deprivation is real, Cozy Earth's temperature regulating technology has been a lifesaver. No more waking up sweating or freezing. But what really sold me is the quality of the bamboo sheets. They are by far the most comfortable sheets I have ever slept in. They are made to last years, which they have. I think at this point, I have about six sets of them. And they have a 100-night sleep-free trial and a 10-year warranty. So you know you're getting something that is going to stick around. So if you're ready to prioritize your sleep health and treat yourself or the mom in your life to the luxury she deserves, head on over to CozyEarth.com and use the promo code IDO for an exclusive 35% off. Because every mom deserves a good night's sleep, and with Cozy Earth, you can finally get the rest you need. Let's talk about a struggle many of us know all too well losing weight. Remember those days when everyone was on a juice cleanse or just basically hangry all the time? That was no fun for anyone. Well, there's a better, more sustainable way to shed those pounds. Today, I want to introduce you to Row Body. It's not your typical weight loss program. Instead of all the gimmicks, they offer access to the most popular weight loss shots on the market. But here's the real deal. They pair these shots with simple lifestyle changes, helping you lose 15 to 20% of your weight in a year on average and actually keep it off. Plus, over 200,000 people have already seen results with Robody. So what sets Robody apart? The support. They handle all the insurance stuff for you and give you access to a provider whenever you need them. And the best part, you can sign up online from home, no doctor's appointments and no waiting rooms. Say goodbye to those days of hangry juice cleanses. With Robody, losing weight is straightforward and sustainable. Take that first step today and say hello to a healthier, happier you. Kickstart your weight loss journey the right way and head to ro.co slash do. That's ro.co slash I-D-O. Sign up today for just $99 for your first month and $145 a month after that. Remember, medication costs are separate. That's ro.co slash I do. What's going on, guys? Welcome to ID Podcast. Thank you for tuning in. 
I am going to request just one thing of you today, or we are, is that you share this episode or maybe a past episode or maybe a future episode with one friend or family member. We're continuing the self-titled fall slash winter <laughs> podcast subscription drive. It's totally free. All you have to do, I sound like a salesman, all you have to do is just Tell one friend or family member about I Do Podcasts, and if it's helping you, and we hope it is, say, hey, this is gonna, this is really great stuff, hopefully, uh, that you're getting, and you can share that with your friend and family, and they're going to be able to better relate to you, you to them. Share it with your spouse, if you haven't already, or partner, or Tinder date. Be like, hey, I really like you on this first <laughs> Tinder date. Let's listen check out to this, ID Podcast. This marriage and relationship <laughs> podcast. Okay, but um, we do appreciate it. We appreciate you guys listening and sharing the show. And on today's show, we have another uh, great topic and one we haven't talked too much about, and that is rejection with Dr. Ellen Hendrickson. And you may have heard of her podcast, The Savvy Psychologist. I know I always see it mm -hmm. on iTunes, yeah. but she is a clinical psychologist who helps millions calm their anxiety, and be their authentic selves through her podcast, as I mentioned, and in the clinic at Boston University's Center for Anxiety and Related Disorders. Yeah, it was a great episode. We not only talked about rejection while you are dating, um, but also rejection in the relationship and, and the best ways to kind of handle it and how to talk to your partner to to validate their feelings and help them not feel as rejected in the moment. And like a lot of things we talk about on the show, they're small things, but they're so huge in improving your life and your relationship. So listen to the tips that Ellen gives us in today's show. And as always, we love you guys. We appreciate you listening, telling your friends and family, tell them to subscribe, leaving those five-star reviews and just being your awesome selves. And We've kind of been on also this kick of doing episodes based on the topic suggestions you guys send us. And we created a thread on the Love Tribe community page um, on Facebook. And I just keep going back to those and keep pulling those topics. So I love it. So keep it up. We love putting out the information that you guys uh, want to hear. And join that page. Yeah. And yeah. join the Love Tribe, Love Tribe fam on Facebook. Is it called Love Tribe Fam or just yeah. Love, Love Tribe? Yeah, Love Tribe is gone, so it's Love Tribe Fam. If you search that in Facebook, you will find us. Awesome. Enjoy today's show. Enjoy. Today's show is brought to you by our online course, Spark My Relationship. Create more passion, improve your communication, and build a stronger, more intimate connection with your partner in less than 90 days. We've collaborated with 15 therapists and psychologists to bring you the strategies marriage therapists teach their clients. To unlock a special offer only for I Do Podcast listeners, visit sparkmyrelationship.com slash unlock. That's sparkmyrelationship.com slash unlock. Hi, Dr. Hendrickson. Thank you so much for joining us on the show today. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to be here. We've given our listeners a little overview, told them about your history in the field of relationships. So why don't we take a minute and tell us why you enjoy helping people improve their relationships? Absolutely. Well, it's, it's just, it's simply so gratifying. I know that sounds 
simple, but I guess that that's exactly what it is. It's um, I'm a psychotherapist and a researcher. Um, and in the, you know, with my psychotherapy hat on, it's just so gratifying to be able to you know sit down for an hour with somebody and, you know, try to, you know, argue back to negative thoughts that they, that they might be having or to, you know, teach them how to, you know, supercharge their mindfulness or to give them a nice little technique that they can wrap up with a bow and take home and to have felt like, okay, this, that's something that I could do to help improve this person's life. I love being, being helpful and, and seeing that, um, that people's lives really do improve because of it. It's a beautiful thing to be able to do. And we're just happy to have guests like yourself on the show so we can share the information with our listeners and, and learn ourselves along the way. And today's topic is going to be one that is going to be valuable to people in all kinds of uh, relationship statuses. And let's start with talking about if someone is in the dating field, and that is the... And the topic of rejection. And I was just going to say, like Sarah and I, we've been together for 10 years now. And and I was, I want to say, lucky enough not to be on the dating scene too long. And I can imagine now with, you know, online dating, Tinder, you're meeting so many people and that you might like or, and rejection has got to just be like this looming thing with all those touch points uh, more than ever before. So let's dive in and talk about that. Sure. Sounds good. And, and is there one thing uh, that that's maybe the biggest problem area with someone that is feeling rejected, which to me is a very natural thing. If, if you like someone, they don't like you back. How can, how can someone navigate that? Sure. So I think, I think the biggest thing with rejection is feeling like it's only about you. That rejection, especially romantic rejection, can feel so isolating. It feels like, oh, there's something wrong with me, or that they they saw my true self and rejected me for it. And it just it feels so isolating. And that isolation can give rise to uh, feelings of anxiety um, or feelings of depression. You know, feeling helpless and hopeless, or feeling like, oh, well, what if this happens again? Or what if they're right? And so that, that sense of isolation, I think, is one of the hardest things to, to overcome. But at the same time, I think uh, a, a major point that I want to drive home is that rejection happens to everyone, that this is just part of the journey. And so even though it does feel very isolating in the moment, ironically, it's actually something that connects us to pretty much every other human being, that everyone uh, around us can relate to the feeling of being rejected, whether it's in a relationship or from a job they really wanted, or you know, even just something, some kind of small everyday rejection, like you know, I don't know, uh, getting some side eye for your new haircut or for you know a comment that might have gone wrong, but that that some form of rejection, that feeling of of being rejected is so universal, and that oddly connects us to a greater humanity. Being able to take that perspective has got to be so valuable because it, it can feel like we're all alone and, and vulnerable. And I'm glad you mentioned in, in job situations, just in life in general. And, and as some, someone who's an entrepreneur, Sarah and, and myself, just with this podcast and other things, that's like the 
biggest fear, especially when you're starting out, is like our audience is going to reject us, or or if you're working for someone, you know, our, our boss is 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 going to fire us. Like that that same kind of feeling of of needing uh, that approval at, at the bottom level, and definitely the self talk of everyone goes through it can be gratifying and in, in helping to calm those fears. But what else can we do to shore up our, our uh, confidence? Confidence. That's the word <laughs> I was looking for. Sure. So I think um, something that's really helpful to me, at least, um, I, I have, I definitely have some profession, perfectionistic tendencies uh, myself. And so, so I, I am actively working on that, but something that was helpful to me was um there's this there's this lovely study. There's one of one of my favorite studies is uh, you can tell how much of a nerd I am by having a favorite study, <laughs> but it's from um, it's from 1966 and it's by um, a psychologist named Dr. Elliot Aronson. And so in this study, he has people listen to one of four uh, audio recordings, and so ostensibly these recordings are of con- like college guys trying out to be like contestants on a college quiz bowl show. So remember this is the sixties. So there were still you know, things like that. And, uh, and so um, the study participants listened to one of four recordings and in recordings one and two, the first one is of uh, this contestant who's very impressive or, you know, it is it's, it's solid at least like he you know, answers most of these quiz uh, questions correctly. Um, it becomes clear that, you know, he's, he's a decent student. He has some extracurricular activities. So there's that's tape recording one, and then tape recording two. Uh, the guy's not just not very competent. He answers most of the questions wrong. Um, he's very unimpressive in the rest of his life, and you know it's just generally you know not 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 someone you'd want to hang out with or have on this uh, this quiz bowl show. Okay, so that's one and two, and then three and four are exactly the same as one and two, except at the very end you hear the clatter of like some plates and the scrape of a chair. And you hear the guy say, Oh no, I've spilled coffee all over my new suit. And when all these participants, all the study participants are, um, are surveyed, they, they rate how much they like each or the, the person that they've listened to. And the guy who wins out, you'd think it would be the, you know, the competent guy who, you know, is, who doesn't spill coffee on himself. But in fact, it's it's number three. It's the competent guy who does spill coffee on himself, and it's just interesting that our little foibles and like kind of the bad things that happen to us or the blemishes in our life actually make us more appealing and more attractive. It's the it's the same tenant by you know when Jennifer Lawrence falls on the red carpet, it's adorable, or when Zoe Deschanel like you know does something ridiculous, like it's endearing. And so this, this sense of being imperfect, of having gone through some rejections or having not had things work out perfectly or having to, um, you know, be humiliated or um, to, to go through, you know, something difficult actually humanizes us and makes us more approachable, um, less superhuman seeming and draws people to us again, the, of those participants, they liked the guy who spilled coffee on himself better than the guy who didn't. So th- I think that's really important to remember that even if we do kind of go through this like washing machine of life and get you know kind of all bumped around, that we come out of it uh, better for it. 
So, so that's, that's an important mindset that I know in the moment when we're rejected, it hurts, it feels awful. But if we can take a larger perspective and say, hey, maybe this, this humanizes me, this makes me more approachable, I can actually turn this into a story and maybe use it to, to, um, to, to connect with somebody else. I think that's an important take home. We love that study, and it is interesting and, and more important than ever to keep in mind that we are not perfect, and it it almost goes without saying, but I'm going to say it because it can't be said enough, but to keep that in mind when you're on social media and and online because it looks like everyone just has the most perfect life, and people aren't getting rejected, and it's just such a unrealistic view of what it means to be a human. And I think, and I'm sure you are discovering this in all areas of psychology, that it has really profound implications that we need to be aware of. Absolutely. Well, because I think, yeah, you're absolutely right that that I think people are, are gener- starting to be aware or generally aware that when they look at social media, they're seeing the highlight reel of everybody's life. Like nobody posts that, you know, their cat pooped on the couch or that they found tampons on sale or that, you know, they forgot to put the trash out for trash day. Nobody posts the mundane details of their life, the, you know, the, the, the little defeats or the challenges. And so what happens is we see the curated version of everybody else's life. And the only life we have access to where we see all the bumps and foibles are our own. And so by comparison, it seems like ours is drastically, you know, under <laughs> underperforming or, uh, or is not going well, but it's only because we just don't see what's behind the curtain of other people's lives. Is there any research on how viewing other people's social media pages really affects someone emotionally? Like, does it actually, I mean, I know when I see people's lives and I'm like, wow, that's so great. Like they have a great life. And then it, then, you know, I'll think, oh, wow, you know, my life is not so good. Does it really affect us um, by seeing other people's social media and comparing it? Yeah, there is research on it. Exactly. uh, Actually. And so one, one of the studies I like um, and try to remember is there was a study of looking at Facebook and for people who just kind of looked at Facebook and like lurked, like didn't participate, like didn't comment, didn't like anything, just kind of looked at other people's photos and lives and comments, that they left Facebook feeling worse. But for those who were engaged and used Facebook as, you know, what it's supposed to be for, to, to connect with people and to participate in their lives, they did not leave Facebook feeling worse. And so I think that's an important lesson that if you're going to go on Facebook, to, to do it with the intent of, of interacting and to try to participate, not just kind of be a voyeur and to, and to look and compare. So, so I think that's, that's a, a good take home for Facebook behavior. Another Facebook uh, study I've seen is just the likelihood of us going on to Facebook is completely related to how tired we are. When we're exhausted or fatigued or it's late at night, we're much more likely to go onto social media. And that is the witching hour. That is the hour where we're already feeling tired. We're already probably feeling burned out. And it's so easy to fall into that hole of comparison when you see your friend's Bahamas vacation pictures up, you know, at 1030 at night and you're exhausted. So I think just being aware of kind of mindlessly going onto social media is really important because if we can, uh, 
if we can stop that momentum and not just automatically do that when we're fatigued and use Facebook or other social media platforms more mindfully and more intentionally, that can go a long way also to making us feel better about what we see there. It's so important to be aware of it because even the fact that I've been aware of it for a while, and I'm not saying I'm perfect in, in any stretch, but that I'm aware that it can negatively affect me, but then it's still going on, you know, like subconsciously. It's, I think it's, it's just in our DNA to, if you see someone else, we're social creatures. Like we're making a notation, like, look how much fun they're having. You might not even explicitly consciously think about you're comparing and it's negative, but there's some level of, we haven't interacted in this way for millions of years. And now suddenly we have this technology and, and certainly there's good things, but really trying to be cognizant. I have come to the conclusion, I just need to limit the time too. There's a whole addiction side of this that, you know, like you mentioned, when you're tired because you're bored, you're just compulsively opening it up and get an app that the latest iPhone update actually has a weekly tracker that shows how much you're on every app on your phone and and try to set a reasonable low level and and stick to it. Absolutely. And I think uh, another good thing to do is that if there is an app that's making your life miserable, like if it's Facebook or if you get sucked into YouTube or Instagram or just if there's something that you know is not good for you or you go into it um, because it gives you some pleasure, but then it crosses the line into I am wasting my time or what, did I, what am I even doing this again for, then just to, to, to delete the app. You can always reinstall it later, but to experiment with just getting rid of whatever app sucks you in and decreases your quality of life, like make an executive decision and, and just get rid of it and see, how, see what happens over the next few days. Again, you can always reinstall it, but it's really interesting to, um, it, it, it forces us to, um, to look at our habits, like to see if we're automatically reaching for it and like, oh, wait, it's not there anymore. Oh, I just did that. Oh, that's interesting. Um, or to see how much time we get back or how much differently we feel not having that particular app on our phone. So that's, that's a challenge um, I often recommend to people as well. So bringing this back to rejection, certainly if you're feeling rejected, it's not going to be valuable to go on to your social media and see how happy everyone is in their not being rejected that day and you're just going to wallow and it's just not going to be a great thing for you. So like you said, delete the app or really try to be aware of it, try to avoid it. And I want to go to this, this avatar we have of someone that's, that's been rejected and you have, it can be the lowest of the lows. You feel lonely and and it's just, it's like easier said than done to just make yourself feel happy or not rejected again. What are some steps that that person can do besides, you know, recognizing that it happens to everyone? It's not all about you. What are some other steps they can take to kind of get out of the dumps? Sure. So I think a lot of us, especially with a romantic rejection, tend to unconsciously try to stay connected and draw out the connection by using social media. This is a nice way to connect what we were just talking about and, and rejection that oftentimes we will 
see what our ex is doing on Facebook. Or even I had a client who would um, who would check her ex's Venmo payments just to see is he buying drinks for somebody? What's where is he? What's going on? And and it kept her even though she knew the relationship was over. It was a way to stay connected with him, and it felt awful. She she just went on all sorts of imaginary took that like looking at his social media took herself to all sorts of imaginary terrible places. Um, but it retained the sense of connection, and that felt better than letting him go completely and giving up the hope that maybe someday they would get back together or maybe he would change his mind. Maybe he would come back. And so we can, we torture ourselves when we're rejected often by, by drawing out this connection and trying to stay um, part of their lives, even just from the periphery. So I think one thing we can do if we find ourselves in that situation is to, is to really go no contact. And that, that feels terrible in the moment to delete, uh, to unfollow or to unfriend um, or to mute. Uh, But it can it can make a real difference. It's the anticipation of doing that, the anticipatory anxiety of going no contact is always worse than actually doing it. And so I think I think that also is helpful to know that uh, going into it feels bad, but once you've done it, it's kind of like ripping off a band-aid. You feel you feel much better. So so that's one thing we can do to to try to make ourselves feel better. Another is simply to take care of ourselves. Uh, when I know this, this sounds cliche, but 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 I'll I'll talk about the the rationale behind it. So, if we let ourselves go and you know binge on ice cream and stop going to the gym and you know kind of let ourselves go to seed, that that creates a feedback loop, and we see that that's how we're treating ourselves, and we start to believe that it's how we deserve to be treated. So, if then on the other hand we do take care of ourselves and we do keep up our healthy habits and soothe ourselves well and stay connected with friends and try not to isolate. We see that and we see ourselves as someone who should be you know, taking care of themselves, deserves to be taken care of, deserves to be soothed, is worthy of being soothed and taken care of. And so that feedback loop gets created. So there it's important to put behavior before mood. So for instance, we often feel like we have to feel like doing something before we do it. We have to feel like going to the gym before we lace up our shoes. We have to feel inspired before we sit down to to write or to, you know, work on whatever project we're working on. And that's not true. We can put the behavior first and then our mood will catch up. And therefore, it's important to take care of ourselves and go through the motions, even if our heart's not in it and our heart will catch up. I love that tip, not just for dealing with rejection, but I think that's how a great way to approach a lot of things in life, because how often do we just feel like we want to go to the gym, you know, but when you go to the gym, (laughs) you're you're going to get into that mood and it's, uh, it's a much better attitude to have, but not only that, it's just a it's like an easier way to go through life because you're not constantly fighting yourself like, you know, and all kinds of self-talk and it's just kind of just do it, you know, and, and you could say that about being kind to your partner and it might not come naturally, but it, it's like the saying, fake it till you make it 
almost mm-hmm. along the same lines. Just absolutely be the change, and then you're going to create a positive feedback loop. And now all of a sudden, you're not even thinking about it, and you're like, "Why do I love going to the gym so much? I used to hate <laughs> it." And you're just there. <laughs> it's so true. So one one thing I found in in working with um, people who have you know been broken up with or otherwise been rejected is that they're often angry is that they're they're often really pissed at their partner or you know whoever has done done the rejecting you know, the the rejector um and so something that we do is we try to dig for the softer emotion that's underneath that anger because anger is a secondary emotion it's a it's an emotion that gets kind of manufactured to put on top of something that's always a little softer like it's usually something like hurt or sadness or guilt or shame. And what happens is that we, it's uncomfortable to feel that softer emotion. No one likes to feel ashamed. No one likes to feel hurt. And so we get mad because it, that feels, that feels better. Like it's, it's not comfortable to be angry, but there's, there's this kind of like not sexual arousal, but like there's this arousing, um, you know, energy behind it. Like you, you feel some adrenaline or you feel some energy behind it. And that is preferable to feeling the hurt of, of rejection. But if we distract ourselves by feeling angry, we never really get to the actual emotion, which is the, the hurt. And so I would say to, to dig for that softer emotion and to try to listen to it. And so it's, it's really, it's really, that's an uncomfortable place to be, but I think to allow ourselves to, to touch that pain and to be mindful of it, to kind of be, be aware that this is what we're feeling, uh, makes it, ironically, go by a lot faster. That if we can be in touch with it, uh, it will kind of burn itself out. Whereas if we push it away or bury it under anger, it's going to smolder under there for a lot longer. That is such a valuable insight to take through life again, because I'm just thinking of times that I've felt rejected. And now I'm talking just within a relationship because we can feel rejected in the initial outward feeling and, and maybe response is, is that of anger or, or frustration, but it's actually, that's the, the, what's be external. But if I, if I try to dig down deep into that, there's, a softer emotion. And I I see how just doing that exercise and maybe taking that pause, or maybe you feel the anger coming on and, and rather than letting yourself go down that path, you, you step back and go, what, what is making me feel this uh, externally? Is that, is, is there more in, in this process that we can do like this self-talk to, to try to be introspective and, and, realize what it is that is really deep down hurting us. Before we continue on, we're going to take a short break to tell you about our sponsors. Today's episode is sponsored by Babbel. Babbel is the number one selling language learning app in the world. Not only can you learn Spanish, which has been super helpful for Sarah and I as we live in Costa Rica. I helped habla espanol and got the uh, guy to fix a sink today so that was nice but you can also learn french italian german russian swedish and more 
Babbel's short 10 to 15 minute lessons are available on the app or online and are designed to get you speaking confidently in your new language within weeks. And one thing I love about Babbel is that it's really helped me learn all kinds of practical situations like Chase mentioned today, fixing a sink, <laughs> um, but also like ordering food, asking for directions or talking to Stella's babysitter who only speaks Spanish, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> So go to babble.com and use offer code I do to get 50% off your first three months. That's babble, B-A-B-B-E-L.com offer code I do for 50% off your first three months. Today's episode is also brought to you by Green Chef. Green Chef is a USDA certified organic company that includes everything you need to easily cook delicious meals that you can feel good about. We received our box when we were back in Florida visiting my parents, and it has everyone in the family hooked. If you're like Chase and I, after a long day of working, the last thing that I want to think about is what I'm going to cook for dinner. And Green Chef makes it easy by delivering a wide variety of organic ingredients and new recipes to your door each week. Green Chef has meal plans that include paleo, vegan, vegetarian, keto, gluten-free, omnivore, and carnivore. So there is a ton of variety for everyone's palate. The ingredients come pre-measured, perfectly portioned, and mostly prepped, so all you got to do is cook it. And to me, that is a busy mama's dream. In our box, they sent us three meals, and they were all delicious, but my favorite was the crispy lemon chicken. The crispy chicken breasts were coated with lemon zest, mustard, and gluten-free breadcrumbs and served with fingerling potatoes, green peas, and roasted red peppers. It was delicious. So to make your evenings a whole lot easier, check out Green Chef today. For $50 off your first box of Green Chef, go to greenchef.us slash I do. For $50 off your first box of Green Chef, go to greenchef.us slash I do. Right, right. So, like, because anger makes it about the other person. Like, how dare he? Or, well, who does she think she is? Whereas if we sit with those softer emotions, it becomes about us, which is, which feels worse. But then if we can kind of get to what those thoughts are, like, I'm going to be alone forever, or this means that no one will ever love me. We can, we can, I, I, I often ask people to um, to journal to get their thoughts out of their heads and onto paper because just processing it enough to put it into language can be helpful. But then once it's on paper, we can challenge those thoughts. So like, for instance, like, oh, because your Tinder date rejected you, does this really mean you're going to be alone forever? Let's unpack that. Is that true? Let's shed a bright light on this and see if that is accurate. We're not just trying to slap a hap- like a happy label. We're not just trying to think positive thoughts about it, we're trying to look at it accurately and say, is what our, you know, anxious or hurt or rejected brain is telling us accurate? And oftentimes it's not. It's it's oftentimes much more dramatic than it needs to be. And so we can we can kind of talk down these thoughts from I'm gonna be alone forever to, oh, well, that sucked, but I can pick myself up and try again. And I think that actually segues into a point of it's it can be, uh, no one who's been rejected wants to hear this, but it can be helpful to to go through some of these painful experiences because then when you find the right experience, when you find the right person or you have a, a good 
relationship, there's that contrast uh, as evidence, like, oh, this is different. This is better. And I think without the uh, rejection or the lousy relationships as contrast, we don't even know what we have. So, so I think it can be helpful to have a, some, a bit of a background of, you know, rejection or bad experiences to offset and to, to highlight when we really do find uh, a, a good connection and, uh, or a, a good relationship. And also too, I'm sure people who journal their experience, if they have another experience similar to that, like another rejection, they can go back and reference and say, Hey, I got through this and this is how I did it. And these were the feelings at the time. And I came out the other side. And so I know I can do it again. Absolutely. I'm really glad you made that point because it, it looking back is, you know, hindsight is twenty twenty, And so we can look back and say exactly that. Like, look, I got through this. I'm strong. I'm tough. I can handle hard things. Because when we're looking at it from, from before we've gone through it, when we're looking at it from that side, it's so much scarier. And like I said before, that anticipation is always worse than actually having, having done it. So, so yes, we can remind ourselves that we can do hard things. We can get through stuff and we can cope. So the feeling of rejection is probably going to be more prominent in someone that is dating and meeting new people. And I imagine that that can be strong and, and evident in a lot of people that are not finding their long-term partner right away. But then once we're in a long-term relationship, feelings of rejection can still come up. And I know Sarah and I have dealt with this where if I want to have sex and she turns me down because any number of good reasons, <laughs> then I just would have this response of being rejected. And, uh, and then I, I've dug into my childhood and, but there's a lot of layers, but maybe you could talk about we could break down an instance like that and other ones that might happen in uh, more committed relationships. Sure. So, no, I'm actually really glad you brought up the, um, the example of, of wanting to have sex. And so um, I'm going to give a shout out to my, um, to a book called uh, Love Worth Making. Um, this is by Dr. Sne uh, Stephen Snyder. Um, and he, 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 it talks about this exact issue. Um, and so I think it's important to, to note that the feeling rejected um, can, can affect both of you that then, you know, you, you feel rejected, but also I wonder if Sarah might then feel a sense of obligation, like, Oh, I've got to make up for this later. Um, and that creates pressure and it creates expectation. And so that, that, that kind of stress um, is, is, very difficult to, to, you know, it, it's hard, it's hard to feel sexy. It's hard to feel like you want to connect in that kind of an environment. And so, um, so Dr. Snyder talks about um, trying to increase uh, just, just being, just being mindful. And when there, when there is pressure to have sex, to try to diffuse that by simply lying together without expectation and being mindful of the moment, being mindful of breathing, being mindful of your partner's body, being mindful of your uh, reactions within your own body, and then and then just letting what happens 
happen. And sometimes that will lead to sex and sometimes it won't. And he could, he talks about this much more eloquently than I am right now, but it's, it's a, it's a nice way of kind of getting around this cycle that we get ourselves into of rejection and expectation, building pressure. And I think that, that trying to, rather than increasing the pressure to, to try to make things happen, letting go completely actually is more effective and uh, gets us to where we want to be in the end. I think eliminating, not eliminating, but working on the expectation was, uh, it was important and valuable for me and can be an important way to deal with a circumstance like this or, or, or any number of them is that if you go in with the expectation that it's going to happen and, and in your mind you're forming, you know, we have this way of, of just trying to materialize things in our mind and that's the way it's going to be. And then when it doesn't happen, it's that, that feeling of rejection. Cause it's like, wait, this was supposed to happen. This is what I want to have. So keeping the expectations in, in check, I, I have found very valuable. Are there ways that people can practice realistic, not realistic expectations or, and this is also uh, an issue is, is, I say lowering the expectations, but then where do we draw the line? It's a lot there. Mm. <laughs> Sorry. Sure. That's a great question. So yeah, because I think so so to just to just to reflect this, so what you're asking is like how can we temper our expectations? Because oftentimes we go in with like kind of a movie in our mind of how we expect things to go. And then when when the actual action diverges from the script we have in our head, we feel disappointed or or rejected. So how can we let go of that without having no expectations or like being a doormat? Um, so I I think we can go in rather with rather than having trying to have expectations and saying like this is how it should go or this is how I want it to go, to go in with an air of curiosity. Like I wonder how this is going to go. I wonder what's going to happen. And just following that natural curiosity and responding to our partner in the moment, this forces us to really look and listen to get our information rather than looking inward at our own head at what that script is. So when we're forced to turn our attention inside out, away from the script in our head and outward to our, you know, our living, breathing partner in front of us and to listen to them and, you know, look and see what's happening, it makes us much, much more agile and makes us able to respond um, in, in the moment and create a, a more authentic experience. And so I think when, when we're going in with expectations, a nice thing to do is to try to consciously again, turn that attention inside out and to, 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 to root ourselves in the moment where we are and to just see, see what occurs. We're still engaged. We're not just, you know, laying back and being passive and saying, oh, whatever happens, happens in this interaction. We are still active, um, but we're not trying to steer that ship with like, you know, white knuckles. So what would be the best way for me to I guess I don't want to say reject Chase, but communicate <laughs> my feelings without him, like me actually rejecting and then him feeling rejected. I think that's a great question. And I'm sure, you know, millions of people are are in your shoes. And, you know, and I think and while I don't have a magical answer, I think that it's important to, to balance, um, you know, being honest and communicating what you want and don't want at that moment 
but also to retain that connection. And I think that maintaining the connection is something that both of you can do. So you can talk honestly about what what would work in the moment. Like, is it so is it enough to 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 cuddle? Um, is it that you have something on your mind and you'd like to to chat about it, and that maybe feeling more connected to him would later uh, lead to something, whether that's you know uh, that night or or later in the future. I think there's a lot of ways to go about it, but trying to balance uh, your you know what you what you need and want, but maintaining um, maintaining that connection with him uh, is is all part and parcel, and so it it allows for some fluctuation and allows for the waves to go up and down. And maybe later, you know, that you'll feel like initiating or maybe you'll feel like neutrally receptive and, and something will happen. But in, in a nutshell, it's, it's that balance of trying to maintain connection, maintain the sense that you love him. You, uh, you, you want to be physically connected with him and that, that 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 there are many other opportunities for that, not just that moment. So I think when he then if he he won't feel as rejected because um, he knows that it it comes from a place where where this is an ongoing relationship and there are many many chances, um, not just this one. So it's it's not all the eggs are not in one basket. One hundred percent, and I think that that would make me feel a lot better and not not that Sarah needs to do anything like you said like it's it's her right to not want to but that's why relationships are hard because <laughs> we have to sure. navigate each other's uh histories and personalities and i just feel the the connection and the the empathetic response is is such a valuable thing whether it's to avoid the feeling of rejection or to avoid the feeling that my partner is not on the same team just because they they disagree with how we handle the finances. So it's to me, it's along those same lines of rather than just saying, no, I don't want sex or no, uh, we're not going to spend money this way. It's like acknowledging the partner's feelings. I understand that you want to have sex now and I love you so much, or I understand that you're concerned about the finances in this sector, but, or, and let's try to handle it this way. That for me, and I think in a lot of relationship dynamics, it can be all that it takes. And I'm not saying that's an easy thing to do, but um, that it's so valuable in navigating rejection on both sides. Yeah, I think I think there's a big difference between you know nope and and a, a sense of of empathy and like how you know how would we like to be rejected? I think each of us would like to be rejected in a sense of you know I love you so much, not right now, I'm not feeling it tonight, but let's cuddle. I think there's a big difference between that and no, get away from me. <laughs> so so it's all in, it's all in how you phrase it. I was reading an article recently about it was titled like the best rejection text ever. And it was basically this 
girl uh, and this guy and, and she wrote him a text or he wrote a text that was like, I would love to see you on another, on a second date. And she wrote back and said, I had a great time with you. I think you are a wonderful person, but I think we lack, um, uh, a certain connection, but I wish you the best of luck. And it was very straightforward and, and it didn't drag out. And he felt very thankful that she was so honest and upfront and told the truth like that. So can you kind of talk on that along the lines of maybe our, our listeners are dating and they come across a date and the person wants a second one, but they're just not interested. What's the best way? Is it best to just give a very honest response like that? Or is there another technique that may be better? I think that the honest approach is always the best. I think that if you can be, you know, transparent and honest and empathetic, like that will always win out. And so her text is fantastic. And I think the only, the only change, the only nitpicky change I would make to her text is I would change the word, but like you're a wonderful person, but I didn't feel a connection to an and because when you say, but it negates whatever you just said beforehand. And so I think with a tweak to, and you're a wonderful person. And I feel like we didn't have a connection. I wish you the best of luck would be even, even better. It could really, you know, polish, <laughs> polish up that excellent, that already excellent text. But what happens if we ghost people or we draw things out or are not honest, we're, we're sending a number of messages. And well, okay, so actually we, we send the message, we send one particular message is that we think that they can't handle it. We think that they're not strong enough or, um, or can't deal with our rejection, that they're fragile. And it really does them a disservice to, to not be honest. So that's, that's one thing. And the second thing is when we do ghost somebody or like draw things out and leave, um, leave all this uncertainty hanging in the air, people will fill in that uncertainty with worst case scenarios. And so the awkwardness that we save ourselves by not writing a difficult yet honest text or email or whatever, or face-to-face conversation or whatever it is we're doing, the, the pain we save ourselves gets transferred to the other person. It gets dumped on them and they will fill in the uncertainty with, oh my gosh, you must hate me. Or, oh, it must've been that thing I said. I really, I feel so horrible about that. Or I wonder, I wonder what it was. There must be something I'm doing that I'm not even aware of. Oh my gosh, what could it be? I must have a blind spot. And that tortures us. And so it's much better to to write a text or to communicate honestly like the example you gave because it, it is certain. It doesn't leave that room for uncertainty for us to fill in the gaps with all our worst case scenarios and and uh, our, our own, you know, kind of personal fears. So again, honest and empathetic, absolutely the way to go. Well, that's great. And I, it's funny that you mentioned the whole switching the and to but because the interview we had before that, uh, before this interview was, uh, we had talked about that too. So it's a very enlightening and something that we're going to try to implement into our relationship in general, um, because it can be, it can turn a, a negative conversation into so much more positive. It can make it so much more validating. That's absolutely right. Well, Ellen, we appreciate all of this amazing information you've given us and our listeners. So why don't we finish by having you tell our listeners where they can find you online and then we'll say goodbye. Absolutely. So um, so I have a podcast uh, myself, comes out every Friday. It's called Savvy Psychologist. 
and uh, we use evidence-based research to solve listeners' problems. So it's uh, they can they can find it wherever they like to get their podcasts. And I also have a book uh, called How to Be Yourself, Quiet Your Inner Critic, and Rise Above Social Anxiety. And certainly, uh, social anxiety and rejection have a lot of overlap. So there are many, many tips in there to try to overcome and rise above social anxiety. And I hope your listeners check it out and find it helpful. Absolutely. And we'll have the links to your website, your book and your podcast on your show notes page on our website at idopodcast.com. And our listeners know to go there to check it out. And thank you so much for joining us on the show. Thank you so much. It was an honor and a pleasure. Hi guys, we hope you enjoyed today's episode. As always, all the links are in the show notes page, as well as on the podcast description. And while you're on our website, we encourage you guys to check out our 14 day happy couple challenge. We send you an email for 14 days with simple, doable challenges to help strengthen and improve your relationship. And on our website, we also have a bunch of free resources for your relationship. So we encourage you to check those out. Uh, We also have our love tribe on Facebook. Uh, We encourage you guys to join the tribe and uh, be there for support for each other. If you have questions or just need some relationship advice, we are all here for each other. Um, The group has grown to almost a thousand people um, and we love it. So we hope you guys join that. You can go to Facebook, Love Tribe Fam. And you'll find us right there. And if you are interested in learning more about our flagship course, Spark My Relationship, we hope you guys check it out. We have a special offer that is only for podcast listeners. So you can go to sparkmyrelationship.com slash unlock and you can unlock that special offer and learn more. As always, thank you guys so much and we'll see you next week. listening to a pleasure podcast for more from our sex podcast collective visit pleasurepodcasts.com